We welcome those of you who are worshiping in the uh, worship center there, and we join together. For those of you who are a guest there, a very, very special welcome to you and our guests here. During this hour, we uh, have two rooms at one time worshiping, and we come together for the preaching of the Word of God. And so welcome, welcome to all of you who are there. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to be this morning as we listen to Jesus, but this value series that we've been going through has been a wonderful, wonderful series as We have explored our new mission statement and a new set of values that your ministers have been praying through, working through for quite some time, and now we get to present and preach and teach through those on Sunday mornings, and this is the fourth value if you're counting, and every value is important. Every value really is there to undergird the mission statement, and here's our mission. Here's what we are called and asked to do. We exist to make disciples, people who look like Jesus, who become like him, who have been changed by him, who know him and walk with him and are sent out by him, just as we've witnessed over the last few weeks. We are called to make disciples as we encounter God. That's a lifestyle of worship. And as we worship together here on Sundays, as we equip believers, as we invest in one another, in the preparing and in the repairing of our hearts and souls and minds, equip believers to engage the world, to engage those people who do not know Jesus. This is our mission. This is why we exist. And so along those lines, we've been looking at a set of values. And really, when we come to this value on everybody serves, it is the glue. I don't know if you can place, and I'd be hesitant to place any of the seven values above another, but there's just something about this value of every single person serving that is the glue which holds it all together. Because we're dependent upon the body of Christ. We're dependent upon you who come week in, who come week out. We're we're asking this body as it worships to ask itself, how then do I serve and invest and engage in the body of Christ to make it stronger so that we can reach more and more people for Christ? I want you to have in mind as we go through this value today, as we go through Matthew chapter 25, the value of everybody serves is a value that is intended for you to give to other people to give everything you have, to give yourselves over to others. All right, we're going to talk a lot about what it means for my mindset and my heart set today to serve. But ultimately, it's to give ourselves to others. We as a a staff, as, as a pastor, we are here to equip you. We are here to help you discover what your gifts and places of ministry are and then to mobilize you into that. This is how this value is kind of come into play. Not only we teach it today, but throughout the summer and into the fall, we want to hold this up high and say everybody serves just isn't an expectation that we want to have, but it's a mindset that is critical for the body of Christ. How so? How so? Matthew chapter 25. Let's turn to verse 14. And here we want to see Jesus. He's he's telling us a kingdom parable. A parable, if you're new to Bible study, is simply this. It's an earthly story that Jesus would tell with a very, very spiritual meaning and application. So we want to take this earthly story that Jesus tells us and apply it to our hearts when it comes to everybody serving in the family of faith. 
And while we do that, before we get to the text, let me point this out. Do you have one of these? You should have received one in the bulletin. I, I want you to take this and I want you to put it where you can see it. I want you to put it maybe in front of you or just maybe over your, uh, over your Bible there, your iPhone or your mobile devices you're reading through and you see the categories that are listed there. And I, I don't want you to, to ponder and just mull over this throughout the whole sermon. We, we want to give our attention to the word of God this morning, but I, I just want to keep it in front of you because at the end, we're going to ask you to express interest in an area in which you can serve and the many needs and opportunities that are there. All right, so keep this out. We're going to refer to it in just a little bit. Let's read from Matthew chapter 25. Do you have your place? If you're new to Bible study, Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. All right, turn a little bit more than halfway there in your scriptures. Here we go, Matthew 25. Let's read verses 14 through 18 this morning. Listen to Jesus as he tells us this story. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and he dug in the ground and he hid his master's money. We'll come to the conclusion of the story. Jesus is going to help us in just a minute. But I want to give a couple of thoughts this morning on this value, mindset, heart set, the practice of everybody serves. Thought number one, our motivation for serving springs from a submissive response to a gracious God. Now, that's a mouthful. We'll leave it up there so you can, you can uh, write it down if you're taking notes. Our motivation for serving springs from a submissive response to a gracious king. All right? Now, when it comes to everybody serving, here, here's what we have a tendency to do. All right? As ministers, as pastors. Hey, we got a lot of needs here. We need your help. And we do. You've, ever, you've heard about the ratio, um, 20% of the people do what? 80% of the work, okay? We, we, we could throw that out there, and, and that might be true in, in certain ministry areas. I, I don't know for sure, All right? When it comes to everybody serving, here's what we do. Um, we, we look inside, and we see where you are particularly gifted or particularly passionate, or you have ability or experience. Oh, you've done that in the past, okay? And we pull you in, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't do that, but here's what I'm saying. The motivation for everybody serving, every believer in the body of Christ, every person taking up a chair in here, a spot in a pew over there, Every single one of you, the motivation should not be the guilt that we put upon you or first and foremost, the need that is there, although that's important, or how God has put you together, that's important. The number one motivation for you serving the body of Christ, and you can apply this to your family as you're teaching your, your children how to serve, it is this, that we are responding to a gracious king. That's the first response. How so? Well, Jesus said, all authority is mine. I have all power. So therefore, I want you to go make disciples. 
I want you to serve me by making disciples. If you're taking notes, it's not on the screen, but let me just give you three things about this king, okay, about King Jesus. First of all, it's his, his position. All authority is mine. It's not a suggestion. It, it, it's not something where he says, just think about serving me. No, all authority is mine, so therefore I'm asking you to plug into the body of Christ and to engage it and build it up, make it strong, pour into people, and help me make disciples. His position, he's king. He's not just someone we, we say, thank you, Jesus, and we go on our way. We have to take him seriously. Second of all, his provision, what he's done. Position, but then provision. In Romans chapter 12, we prayed it in our 9 o'clock service this morning. But it's this incredible passage. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 11, Paul lays out for the church at Rome, powerful church. He says, here's your sin. Here's the problem. Here's the solution to the problem. It's Jesus has died for your sin. Jesus has rescued sinners. Jesus, in his mercy and in his grace. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Jesus, in his mercy and his grace, has given himself up to redeem and rescue you from your guilt and from your sin. Romans chapter 1 through 11, he just lays all of that out. You are under the wrath and anger of God because of your sin, but in his great love and mercy, he sent Jesus to rescue you and bring you into his family. So Paul says, Chapters 1 through 11, he, he says all that. Then he comes to chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, Therefore, because of this incredible mercy and grace poured out to you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you by that mercy and grace to present yourselves what? A living sacrifice. Holy, set apart, acceptable to God. Give your lives in an act of spiritual worship. Some translations say an act of spiritual service. So the provision of mercy and grace brings you to a point where you say, I will serve because of the grace that has been given to me. Here's the third thing under point number one about this king, the privilege of serving him. All right, so Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, the, the, this man, this uh, Lord, this king, master. He has a kingdom, if you will. He's about to go away on a journey. And so he pulls in these servants and he says to them, I want to give you, my translation says, I want to entrust to you my property, my resources. A talent in the Old Testament was a weight, about 75 pounds was a talent. Talent in the New Testament by that time was about 20 years wages. So you do the math. All right. So he gives these men uh, resources, and what he says to them is, I, the master and Lord, are coming to you, and I'm asking you to extend my property, to expand my kingdom. And here's the thing. Jesus has all authority. Jesus can build his church any way that Jesus chooses to build his church. But he comes to this church, the body of Christ, and to people and says, I am going to give to you through the Spirit gifts by which you will carry out my mission to make disciples. Same thing here in Matthew 25. So he, he comes and he gives one five and he gives one two and he gives one one. But it's an incredible privilege to serve the king. Serving others is not out of guilt, out of duty, 
Do I have to? It's because of the grace of God to me. I serve you, King. It's like I heard this week. I was in Nashville, and I was at a, a pastor's conference, a leader's conference, and one of the breakout sessions, one of the speakers told this story, and I absolutely loved it. He said in the Middle Ages, there would be a ceremony between the lords or the masters, those who were wealthy, and their servants. And oftentimes this ceremony is called an homage ceremony. Oftentimes these servants would be on the brink of going to war on behalf of the Lord, on behalf of the master. Oftentimes these ceremonies would be held when he is about to go and give his life and to enter into battle or to lead others into battle in order to either defend the kingdom, defend the Lord and his property, or to extend it or expand it. So during these ceremonies that they would have, the servant would be called into the presence of the king. And he would come in and he would take whatever headgear he has on off. He would take whatever weapons that he has with him. He would put it to the side as an act of submission. And he would come before the king and he would kneel down. And he would take his hands like this and he put them together. And this was an act of consecration, an act of being set apart, an act of I am submitting to you. And he would kneel down before the king or the Lord or the master. And the Lord and the master would be standing up in front of him with his arms and his hands open. And so he would kneel down and he would put his hands like this in a, in a posture of submission. And he put his hands before the Lord and the master. And his prayer and his hope was that the, the Lord and the master would take his hands and he would just kind of fold his hands into his own, kind of just clasp them together. And in this beautiful picture of submission before the king, an amazing transaction takes place. What's neat is this posture uh, of folding your hands before the king, when believers, followers of Jesus saw this in the Middle Ages, that's how they started to pray. You ever kneel down, you pray, you know, you see the little, your little brothers or your little sisters or your little children pray like that. Well, where they got it was perhaps in part from the ceremony. But this amazing transaction takes place when the Lord or the master takes his hands and he takes, uh, puts his hands in his. There's this incredible transaction, trust, authority, power, commission that comes and the person on their knees is saying, I submit to that authority. Send me. I serve you. There was a phrase that they would use. I love this. As they knelt down with their hands and they pray that the king would close his hands, he says, I am your man. I'm your man. And then he'd go to war. That's the principle of serving I want us all to remember. That when we come and we say, we want every believer to serve, it's not because we need slots filled, and we do. But we want you to be able to bow before the king and serve him as he directs you. Because secondly, secondly, your gifts and service are uniquely fitted and distributed to you by the Holy Spirit for service in the body. Do you realize that? Your gifts, 
your abilities that God gives you in the Spirit to minister in the body in many, in any number of different ways, in any number of different ministry areas, that has been fitted and delivered to you for God's glory and for a specific person, just for you. You might think in a church this big, we say this all the time on our set. We hear the story all the time. When a church this big, no one needs me. That's not true. We do need you. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the principle. Matthew 25, Jesus says that when the master comes, he gives one five, he gives one two, he gives one one, according to their Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 say that just as there are many members in a body, there are different functions of the body, so there are different gifts in the body that make it one and make it function well. Think of your body. Think of your lungs, your heart, the blood that pumps through, the brain that tells the heart to pump the blood through, the arteries and the capillaries through which the blood moves, and then the skeleton to protect all of that, and then the skin to cover the skeleton, and then your hands and your feet to move, your eyes to see. Think of all the different parts. And this is what God does in the body of Christ. And here's what he does in you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is alive in you, it says. And the Holy Spirit says, I've got something for you. So I don't, I don't care what your story is. I don't care what your, your sin is. I don't care what season of life you're in. Here's the truth from the Word of God this morning. You have something that the Holy Spirit has fitted for you to accomplish in the kingdom of God. And our job is to help you discover that and to mobilize you and put you into motion. It's like yesterday I went shopping with... Um, my daughter, we were at Dick's Sporting Goods, and I was looking at my tennis shoes, and I said, I need new tennis shoes. So, so he, I don't know how you ladies do it, but here's how guys, or at least how I do it. Maybe some of you guys are more sophisticated than me. If it looks good, if I like the color, and the price is good, let's go. That's pretty much what I look after, right? Just preference. I, I prefer that. The price is good. Let's go. That's how we choose things, right? But I told Emma Grace yesterday, I was like, you know what? These pair of shoes I have on now, for some reason, they don't feel good. They just don't fit well. I don't know what it is. I just, when I wear them and I get done with them, no matter what I do, my feet just hurt. It shouldn't be like that. And then I, and then I remembered how someone had told me, some of the runners, some of you run here, and uh, you told me about a store, and I, I need to go see this store at some point. There's a store here in town that when you come in, what you choose as far as your preference isn't how you buy your shoes. What they do is they take your feet and they obviously measure your feet, but then they look at your arches, and then they look how you walk, and then they, then they make a determination. You know what? Because of your feet and the way your, your arches and, and the way you walk or the way you run, and um, we believe that you shouldn't be wearing this type of shoe, but instead you should be wearing this brand of shoe. You shouldn't be wearing Nikes. Instead, you should be wearing uh, another pair of shoes, and so they, and so they fit you to your design to, to make you a comfortable, obviously, but to make you effective. And when the Holy Spirit comes, here's what he does. He looks at you as a follower of Christ. There's no exceptions here. Am I making myself clear? No exceptions. You don't get out of this, all right? If you're a follower of Christ, you have something inside of you that you can give to the body of Christ. And we need you to give that to the body. But you have to understand that the Spirit of God has cultivated something inside of you to give. And it's not a preference thing. 
Let's be careful here. Let's be careful. When it comes to gifts and things that we do, the first thing to say is, well, I've done that and I can potentially do that again, or I'm gifted in this area, I'm talented in this area, and I'm passionate in this area. Look, all those things we factor in when we give you a spiritual gifts test. We factor all those things in. But here is what I'm saying. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and he looks at your heart and looks at your life and looks at the opportunities and says, I'm going to fashion something inside of him and I'm going to give it to him. Now you go serve for your good. Because what I'm giving you is to grow you. You realize service is just as much of growing as it is sitting in a class and learning. I'm going to grow you as you step out, and I'm going to fashion and shape you in a ministry opportunity so you look like my son Jesus and you help others look like Jesus. So what is that spiritual gift? You know what? Some of you might not be able to fill this out uh, this morning. You might have to go to your discipleship group. You might have to go to your your life group. You might have to go to someone that you love and say, "Where, where do I need to serve in ministry? How is God working in me? You, you might need to call Kathy or phone number's there, the website's there, the email's there at the bottom of the page. You might not be able to turn this in when you walk out of here. Some of you might. But I would rather you pray through and think through, how is God going to use me this, this fall? Remainder of this spring, this summer. Summer spectacular. You, you saw the, the video of Mindy. She starts out in summer spectacular, an opportunity with the gift of teaching And now God is using her and her husband in new ways. But you have something. You have something inside of you that has great potential. Let's read the end of Jesus' story and finish our time this morning. So Jesus, he keeps going. We broke off in verse 18. Let's read from verse 19 all the way to verse 30. All right, listen to the word of God. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him again, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. You enter into the joy of your master. But he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid of you, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to who everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here's what Jesus teaches us this morning about serving. Everybody's serving. Here's the third thing. You ready? Everybody serves. This value is measured by faithfulness. Here's the measuring stick. Faithfulness. Notice Jesus didn't say to the one who had two, man, you just, you just didn't work hard enough. You just didn't produce enough. Don't you have a little get up and go in you? Um, here's what he says. To the one who'd been given five, you've been faithful. To the one who'd been given two, you've been faithful. Same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Jesus talked about joy a lot. He's going to the cross. These words I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Jesus is saying here, serving faithfully is a measurement that God is going to come to you. He is going to come to you. let's Let's not go past that. Jesus says the servant comes home. The servant comes back. Jesus will return and he will look at you and he will say, well done with what I've given you. I'm not saying you had to be the, the, next, the next superstar on the, on the Christian music industry scene. I'm not asking you to be the next incredible church planner with, with thousands of people coming to Christ. I'm not asking you to win your whole, whole community, your whole city to faith in Christ. I'm, not, I'm just saying if I've given you by the power of the Holy Spirit something to invest in the lives of other people, have you done it? The measurement is faithfulness. And he makes it very, very clear to the one who just wasn't faithful but was afraid. He was paralyzed that there would be consequences for that. He really didn't know his master. He was cast away from him. But Jesus' measurement of everybody serves is faithfulness. Fourthly, everybody serves. This value moves you to risk. It moves you to risk something. Love the story of Mindy again, the video. She, she, she moves into Summer Spectacular. Right? Not, not sure where that's going to go, but now she's in children's worship. And her husband's now, she says, joining her in that, using the gift of, uh, of, of teaching. Any numbers of ways in which these gifts can be used, but, but some of you need to understand that the Holy Spirit has given you great potential with that gift with, with that passion or that ability or that experience, however the Holy Spirit ignites that in you, be careful too, be careful. Here, here, here's another warning. Be careful in saying that my only gift is, is what I'm good at. It could be, and probably more than likely is, but this is the Holy Spirit's work in you to produce something. If you can do it on your own, it could be just natural talent. But this is what the Holy Spirit ignites in the body of Christ, and it makes it so powerful. But everybody serves means some of you need to move or to risk or to change or to step out or to step up or to invite in because the Holy Spirit has has called you to serve in a certain way. For instance, for instance, in that story of the pilot of a, Anderson. An amazing story as you read through that. I love I loved, uh, reading some of the, the news articles on that. And, and here's the thing. He was 35 years old. He had two kids, five-year-old and a three-year-old, and another one uh, on the way. He um, was an incredible pilot, 
and he loved to fly. And in fact, many of the missions that were already done flying over the coast of Cuba, uh, the pictures that he uh, took were the pictures that were most helpful. But on that day, there was a lot going on in the life of the military commanders and in the life of the nation. I mean, on that day, there was a lot at stake for the United States of America. I read where the Soviet Union had put into place that week in 1962 enough nuclear warheads and enough of a nuclear arsenal to hit the southeastern or to hit the eastern coast of the United States, one of the two, with a force 70 times greater than the bomb that was dropped in Hiroshima. The plane he was flying was a U-2. You saw a picture there of Cleveland Park. That's not a U-2. It's a plane that he loved to fly and a memorial to him, but he used to fly this plane that the government claimed didn't exist at the time. And he would fly it at such an altitude, 72, he would get up to 72,000 feet. So he would be up there where it's black in space and blue in the sky. That's where he was. And he'd be in this suit. Remember, this is 1960s. He'd be in this suit and all tucked in. He'd take pictures here. And this plane was, was such a volatile plane that if you went too fast, one of the articles said, the tail and the wings would fall off. But if you went too slow, the engine would stall and you would dive down. And here was the difference. You ready? Seven miles per hour. And so on that day, Anderson said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll risk. Maybe he was ambitious. I, I read a lot about that. But you know what? He, he didn't have to go. He had a five-year-old and a three-year-old and an, another one on the way. He's 35 years old. I'll go. The only person killed in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Here's my point. Whatever God has put in you, and if there's an opportunity that arises, sometimes it just simply means taking a risk. The one with five took a risk. The one with two took a risk. The one with one played it safe. Maybe this is a step for you to discover your gift. You know what? Next fall, right here in the modern service, we're going to create a a 9 o'clock service. We talked about it this week. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to take a risk. To leave your, your life group at 1030, and, and, or to leave your, your life group at 9 and, and worship here at 9 in this room? Do a life group at 10.30? Serve at 10.30? Connect in communities, uh, maybe on another night of the week or another morning of the week? That's different. <laughs> it, it, sometimes serving means you take a risk. Sometimes serving means you change your schedule. We're going to come to some of you life groups and say, hey, look, you, you're getting... Some of you are healthy. You got leaders in there? What about starting a new group to serve the body? Um, yeah, it, it's going to mean moving. It's going to be changing. But listen, for the sake of the body of Christ growing stronger and fulfilling its mission of reaching new people, new worshipers at 1030 or new worshipers in your life group or new, new, new worshipers or new, new people who are introduced to Jesus in a, in a Bible study at your home. What, whatever it may, look, the, the possibilities are serving here in this body in a way you've never served. I, I'm just laying it out. I'm just saying, listen, if you're going to serve, sometimes it means taking a risk. It, it means changing. It means moving. 
Which brings us to our final point. We're done this morning. Number five. The greatest example and expression of service is Jesus bringing you the gospel. <laughs> the greatest expression and example of Jesus, of, of everybody serving, is Jesus bringing you the gospel. This is why I love teaching this series, because we can always, always come back to a value that is not guilt-driven or just needs-driven only, but gospel-centered. Here's the center of everybody serves. Philippians chapter 2. Paul writes to the church and he says this, Have this mind in you which is in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing and he took the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Jesus said, the Son of Man left heaven. You talk about coming before his Father. Can you imagine Jesus before he leaves heaven? I don't think there was an homage ceremony. But there was a heart of a ceremony in mind where Jesus put his hands in the hands of the Father. He said, I'm going to go serve. In Gethsemane, Jesus, do I have to do this? Do, do I have? If, if this cup can go by me, let it be done, but your will be done. What, what if... What if Jesus didn't take a risk and what if he didn't move? And Jesus was rejected by men. His ministry, I, I read a quote, it's on my desk the other day, calendar that I flipped through of quotes. Jesus' success by any human standard was a failure, but he was faithful to the Father. What I'm saying is this everybody serves, it's just not something to get you engaged in the body, it's a gospel issue for you and for me and for this body. And when we come to the value of everybody serving, the value is based not on our experience or not on our need, but it's based on the work of the gospel coming to you. How will you respond to that gospel? Will you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we simply ask just for a few moments that you would speak. In both rooms, Lord, would you speak? Holy Spirit, would you move people? Holy Spirit, there are very practical things that we need here. We need summer spectacular workers. We need, we need children's workers. We need student ministry workers. We need people in our, in our worship and arts teams. We need people serving in all areas of this church. You name it. We, we need people. But Father, beyond that, in meeting needs, would you speak to hearts about a service that says, here I am because of the gospel. The grace and mercy of God to me. How can the grace and mercy of God flow to other people? I'll do it. So would you speak, Lord? Would you speak to that heart this morning of that unbeliever? Um, lots of words about following Jesus and, 
and believing and entering into the family of faith. There are those here, Father, I pray they heard the words that Jesus died for them, and may they respond this morning in tears and with a heart that is full, not only ready to repent and turn from their sin, but ready to receive mercy and forgiveness. We offer that. Lord, would you, would you move in heart? So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his word. We respond to it now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.